fellow Zeros, thank you so much for tuning into Zeros Talking Heroes, the podcast that asks the question, how much did you put on? I'm your host, Joe, and I brought two other sports agents with me. I don't know. Take it. Decent. It's not my best work. (laughs) To talk to you about the movie Unbreakable. We've got sequel. The podcast is just an ordinary man. And Corey. The podcast that's the only survivor of this train wreck. Ooh. (laughs) Before we talk to you about that movie, though, let's let you know what else we've been watching this week. Corey, what have you been watching? The new spinoff of Ink Masters came out. Uh, What's it called? Ink Master Angels. So last season there were four... At one point there were five female competitors, but four of them were very strong competitors. Two of them made it to the finals. One of them ended up winning. And the four of them got, like, a spinoff show where now they go around and, like, do, like, mini Ink Masters. And if they win, then they get the tattoo against one of them. And if they win, they get a spot on next season. I'm not sure if I'm going to follow it too strictly, but it's on. I'll watch it. And I also watched today two of the new, like, TV shows, like, primetime TV shows, The Brave and Seal Team. I've never heard of either of those. Oh, yeah. They both suck. Nice. They're terrible, terrible, terrible shows. What network are they on? Uh, fuck if I know. CBS, <laughs> probably. Uh, my, my fiance wanted to watch them. And they're just the worst type of American military sensationalism, where it's like, we're going to blow up a building, but it's all for good because there's one guy in it that's bad. I'm like, why is this on television and right 49 now? 49 good ones. Yeah, it's all. it's so, so terrible. But David Boreanaz is in one of them, so I'm glad he landed. Angel? Angel's in it. And he, talking about, we, we talked about Bruce Willis being timeless a couple episodes ago. Also, also ageless. Does he look exactly the same? He looks just as old as he looked when he played Angel. That's amazing. It's unbelievable. Take there that might man's be, blood. There might be a single wrinkle under his right eye, but that's about it. That's even weirder. That I noticed it? I know, I'm a weird guy. <laughs> no, that's just, it's just one wrinkle there. Yeah. Not even, not even a full crow's feet. Yeah, that's it. That's all I got. Sequel, what about you? Well, it's October, and it's like Halloween movie season, so I watch Pumpkinhead. Watch it every year. I love Pumpkinhead. It's a good movie. It's I've a good movie. I've never seen it. I've heard it's kind of unnerving. Unnerving? Like scary? Uh, I don't know. No. I mean, it's kind of supposed to be, but yeah. it doesn't do scary, but it's not, it's not that scary. But no? it's, it's cool. It's like a unique monster movie. So. You know what's in that same vein that I really love and I watch every Halloween? Children of the Corn. Trick or Treat. Trick or Treat's great. Yeah. I like love, that one too. Love, love, that one. And I watched two movies this week that I want to talk about. Uh, the first one was the movie Charade, 1963. It's got, uh, oh my god, I forgot her name right now. I want to say it's Audrey Hepburn. It's Cary Grant and Audrey Hepburn. And it's uh, like a like a spy suspense movie. Kind of. It's kind of like Atomic Blonde, 50 years before Atomic Blonde. Audrey Hepburn doesn't do a lot. Like, she's not an action star in this, but uh, it's got a lot of twists and turns, and it's actually pretty good. And it's in color, which I was surprised to see. Yeah, that was pretty good. And I also watched Hacksaw Ridge. Well, yeah, what'd you think? That was really good. Yeah, it's very good. really yeah. good movie. Yeah. I liked Vince Vaughn's role in that a lot. I did too, yeah. He was he was actually serious with just a twinge of classic Vince Vaughn in there. Right. It was like very well casted. It fit perfectly. Yeah, I think everybody, like Andrew Garfield's great in that movie. Yes. Sam Worthington was really good in that movie. It's also the way, I mean in my opinion, that that's the way that any war movie should be depicted. 
where, like, uh, what I was just complaining about with those two television shows about being American sensationalism, this wasn't, this was more practically a documentary. It's a biopic, right? Because that would be what it would be yeah. considered. So it, Pretty it was, much, yeah. It, and it's very much just sticking to that. It's, yeah, he did a bunch, he did some crazy heroic things, but that's about him, not about, like, America. So I really, I thoroughly enjoyed that movie. It's a really, really cool story. And it got me choked up a couple times. Yes. Do you remember what part you got choked up at? Well, I mean, obviously, pretty much from help me sit, help me get one more till the end of the movie, mm. I was just like a wreck. I was like, oh my god. The part that gets me every time is, um, well, I guess it's the next day, or when they're all like recovered, and like uh, I guess the general are like, why haven't you taken the hell yet? He's like, oh, he's praying. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. No one's gonna go up until he's up. <laughs> yeah, I got me. Private Doss is praying for it. Who the hell's Private Doss? <laughs> I thought when uh, his dad came in to defend him in yes. Marshall, that 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 got me choked up a bit. It it stri- like it struck a very specific chord about how throughout American history, like we've kind of discarded old veterans to like pave the way for how exceptional the new ones are. He's like, "What? My uniform doesn't count anymore because it was from the last war." Come on. So yeah. that that part got me got me going too. I had to rewatch it. It's good this week. Yeah. Yeah, I think that might be on my It's my really, list really good. Highly recommend it. Unless you don't like war movies that are like realistically gory, then maybe yeah. don't maybe skip this one <laughs> and just ask someone who saw it about the good parts. It's like skipping the first fifteen minute of, minutes of Saving Private Ryan. This is like an hour and forty minutes of it's, Saving yeah, Private Ryan. And that is what we've been watching. Let's do our move wait, just kidding. We have an email. Ooh. Almost jumped the gun there. I'm glad you didn't. We have an email from Tom. The title of the email is, Hello, why is your podcast so good? It's a good question. It's a great question. Tom writes, Greetings, Zeros. First off, let me say I am amazed at the awesome content you, are, you all are coming up with. Good in-depth looks at the movies, good criticisms, excellent jokes, and an overall pleasurable experience. It's really awesome to have something to listen to at work while I'm painting a ceiling or driving across the state on a transport. Keep the awesome content coming. Tom. P.S. If you haven't all seen Batman and Harley Quinn, the one that just came out this year, I highly recommend it. It would also be awesome to hear y'all's take on the movie. Thank you, Tom, for your kind words. Thanks, buddy. I'm glad our jokes are excellent. <laughs> that's, what I'm, that's what I'm most happy about. Yeah, that's... <laughs> we could be mediocre at, uh... Critiquing the movies as long as the jokes land. As long as you're laughing hard enough that you don't hear our mediocre critiquing, it's fine. We'll definitely add that movie to the list. Get it. We could always make space for another Batman movie, right, guys? Right? There's not enough. There's so many Batman movies. <laughs> and we've barely scratched the surface. There, yeah. If you want to be like Tom and send us an email that we read in the podcast, and then thank you for your kind words or hate you for your mean words, whatever your bag is, it's fine. You can send your thoughts to zthpodcast at gmail.com. Now, let's get into our movie facts for Unbreakable. Unbreakable came out in the year 2000. It's rated PG-13, and it's one hour and 46 minutes long. Its director is the pretty well-known M. Night Shyamalan, who also directed Wide Awake, The Sixth Sense, Signs, The Village, Lady in the Water, The Happening, The Last Airbender, After Earth, The Visit, and Split. The movie stars Bruce Willis, Samuel L. Jackson, Robin Wright, Spencer Treat Clark, Charlene Woodard, and that's it, because no one else is in this movie for more than, like, two lines. 
The budget for the movie was $75 million, and it grossed $248 million. Wow. $95 million of that was domestic. I was actually surprised this movie cost $75 million to make. Same. The scores for the movie. Rotten Tomatoes has this movie at 68%. That's certified fresh. No, it's not. It should be. It's over 60. It's over 70 certified fresh. 60, over, 60 to 70 is just like the weird tomato range. Where it doesn't say certified fresh. Yeah, so it's fresh. a fresh rating? It's fresh, yeah. So it's fresh. Not certified fresh. Edit all that out. <laughs> certified edit all that out. Sir, sure. Fresh rating. The audience on Rotten Tomatoes has it at a 77%. IMDb has a 7.2 out of 10. And Metacritic has it at a 62, with a user score of 8.6. And those are all the facts I have for Unbreakable. So let's let you know our general thoughts for the movie. Sequel, you're up first. I haven't seen this movie in a really long time. I remember liking it when I first saw it, but I guess I was like 12 years old when I first saw it. It's I remember it being a lot better than it was. I mean, knowing the twist ahead of time kind of, like, kills it for you. All M. Night movies have twists at the end. Yeah, I, I remember liking this a lot more back when I first saw it. It felt kind of draggy this time around, and the ending really bothered me. It really, really annoyed me. Like, I was kind of upset at the ending, but we'll, we'll get to that. Corey, your thoughts? I don't disagree with sequel. I think that when I watched it as a kid, I thought it was a lot better than I did watching it this time. I still enjoyed watching it, but at the end of the day, it it kind of crawls. It's not a very fast-paced movie, which is, is definitely M. Night Shyamalan's, like, go-to pace. You know, it, it felt like that, like an M. Night movie, so there's that. But overall, at the end of the day, I did not dislike this movie, but there are definitely a couple pretty big problems with it. Oh, no. We all kind of agree. <laughs> uh. I have never seen this movie before. There are, there are things about this movie that are done really well, and there are things about this movie that are kind of bad. I think this movie is kind of boring. I'm not going to get too much into specifics. I've never seen an M. Night Shyamalan movie also before this. This is your first so, M. Night movie? Yeah, so if this is his style, I'm probably not going to like the rest of his movies. You've never seen The Sixth Sense? I've never seen... I had the, the ending to that movie spoiled for me so many years ago that I don't feel the need to watch it. The Village? I mean, we can name them all. Yeah, I've, seen I've never... I've literally named them all and yep. I've never seen them. And I said I've seen every single one of them. And I don't like him at all. I just happen to see these movies. Like, I've seen probably about ten minutes of Signs and probably about ten minutes of The Sixth Sense. That's by far his worst movie. Signs. I Will Fight You. Have you seen The Happening? Oh, no. Uh, so it's the worst one that you saw. Yeah. Signs might be my favorite on that movie. Yeah. Ooh, The Sixth Sense? Well, The Sixth, again, you. I was too young to see The Sixth Sense without hearing about it first, so. Okay. I think I might not hate Split. Split's good. Just because McAvoy's in it. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. He might save it so. for me. Split, Split's very good. Alright, let's. I already added so much extra editing for myself. Let's, uh. <laughs> let's get back to track here. Sure. And those are our general thoughts for the movie Unbreakable. If for some reason you still want. To worry about spoilers for a movie that came out 17 years ago. You're not alone. I've never seen it before. So, uh, if you want to see it without spoilers, pause now and go check it out. Because we're going to spoil the entire movie starting right now. You've been warned. So, the movie opens up on the train. Right? The whole train scene happens. He takes the ring off. 
Super awkward. Yeah, very awkward, that part. And then for her to just be like, oh, I am married, so now I can't sit here anymore. Also, there were empty seats everywhere. There, yeah, why did yeah. she care? Why didn't she sit there to begin with? At that point. Why did he not check for a ring? That's rookie. He, t- yeah, he, he thought he's... to take his off. He figured the first thing he would have done is check to see if she had one. Yeah. But the bigger problem past the opening scene on the train is that immediately after, we go back in time. Right? Yes. You go back to the birth of... Uh, the birth of the kid. Mr. Glass. Mr. Glass. Elijah, yeah. So, I didn't... I, I think... Wait, no. The movie opens with the birth of Elijah. That's oh, before, that's okay, before the right. titles, and then we go to the train. Okay, yeah, and yeah. then after that, we go to Elijah's as a, as a dis- young kid discovering comic books. Yeah. Yes, I think the con- I just don't like that weird continuity switch. I think it's three, essentially four times is just too many. I'm okay with it. I like the comic facts in the beginning on the screen. I like that. It really, really set me up for it. I'm like, okay, this movie is our is our theme. Mm-hmm. This works. It counts. Sure counts. But I think I think the movie would have flowed a little bit better early if it had just been his birth, 10, 20 years later, him with the sling, having to go outside to go get the comic book, and then jump to today. But then you get no Bruce Willis early, and he's kind of important in this story. But those two scenes com- that combine only make up, what, four minutes? Yeah, but then you think this movie's going to be about Elijah, and then it's like, it's not really, but it is, but... It turns out to be. Yeah, yeah, but it's it, it. I think that would have framed the movie in a weird way, where you don't even get to see your main character until like the third or fourth scene in the movie. All right, that's fair. I still think that it should gone the other way. The thing I can get over this movie is how low energy everybody is, except for Bruce Willis's kid. Mm-hmm. It seems like they're just going through the motions. It's like they're all the volume. Yes. Like, yeah, it's very... It's really boring. Like, they're all boring, boring people. Yeah, so the dialogue's I boring. I can't stand it. They're not asking any interesting questions. And he's making a very, you know, incredible discovery about himself. And he's just, his attitude about it, so like, nah, well, whatever. So I gotta work tomorrow. That will actually always be the bigger question to me. Is, is, is he actually making a discovery about himself? Because he was in the car accident. He rips the door off. We find out way down the line that this happened. But he gets flung from the car, he stands up, rips the door off, and pulls her to safety. So he he doesn't know that this is a thing for him? In the defense of that part, you know about, like, the mother where her child is trapped in the car and she summons, like, a burst of superhuman strength to save her, like the mama bear thing? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure that's what he attributed to. Like, that was certain death staring them in the face. Like, the car was maybe going to explode and kill his girlfriend. And he was like, oh, or this girl that he knows. Because I don't think they were dating at that point. It was their first date. Was it? Oh, okay. It was their first date? Yeah. All right. I know they were dating at the time. I, th- I thought it was it was made to believe it was the first date because See, she I- wouldn't have gone any further with him because her life path and his life path were, like, opposite. Like, he couldn't, she couldn't be with a football player because football players just constantly hurt themselves and others. And her job in her passion in life is to help people feel better. Because that's kind of what she says to Elijah. Okay, so back. The, the part yes. that, I mean, alright, so the, all right, he's on the train, train wrecks, he's the only, not only the only survivor, the only one that's like not even scratched, not hurt at all. And he's like a medical modern science, about miracle modern science, right? He's just oh yeah, definitely articles written about him, and he's just 
can't figure it out, doesn't seem interested in it at all. He's just kind of going through the motions at this point. Going, ah, all right, cool. Somebody had to survive, right? I guess it was me. It's cool. <laughs> I'm going to go to work at my crappy security job. See, and that was... That's part of the reason I think that he deep down knows that he's unbreakable from the get-go. Because he steps out alive, it's like, shit, there's unnecessary spotlight on me. I don't want people to know that I'm capable of these things. I don't think he even knows. I don't think he I think he's written as a really stupid character. Okay, if that's the case, then it's even worse. Yeah, I just... He's oblivious to everything. And the fact that he goes to work and he asks, like, how many sick days have I ever taken? Yeah, that's dumb. I mean, that's the fact that he doesn't know... In your entire life, if you've never gotten sick, how the hell do you not know that? Probably because life is more defined by the times that we remember bad things than remember good things. I can tell you in the last year how many times I've been sick. If it was zero, I would tell everybody. Yeah, but that's my point, (laughs) right? Like... Every time I get sick and I feel miserable, I remember that at that point in time, I was sick and I felt miserable. If you just never get sick, you just don't, it just, it's not something you remember. I don't know, like, my boss tells me all the time he hasn't been sick since he was 12 years old. He says whenever anyone takes a sick day. If people are getting sick around you and you go to work every day, yeah. you, you you know the answer to that question. That line only exists in the movie to, to let the audience know that he's never taken a sick day. That's it. It's pretty lazy. They, they could have, they come could have done it in a such better way. Yes, definitely. And this movie's only an hour 40. There's a lot they could have put into this movie to make it better, I feel. I mean, you could have even just done that in person, right? Like, Elijah tracks him down and is like, as he's walking away from the creepy old dude that's like, with a weird glass cane, he could have just yelled, when was the last time you were sick? And then that could be the moment that like, Bruce Willis happens and is like, what are you talking about? Maybe he shows up to work and he's got a plaque for, like, perfect attendance or something. Mm-hmm. And they go, have you ever been sick? He goes, I don't know. How am I sick? No, I've never been sick. Instead, it turns into a shitty way to get a raise. Yeah, right? $40 a week. <laughs> Back in 2000, man? I'd take that now. <laughs> yeah, me too. I mean, who wouldn't take more money? Right. I mean, I'd be happy with it. In 2000, $40 a week is... Was, like, $42 a week. Well, it's 40 gallons of gas. <laughs> Right around 2000, it was at 99 cents. Was it really? It was. I don't know, I wasn't driving though. Yep. It's actually when the gas exploded. It went from like 99 cents to like $1.25. So after he goes back to work, realizes he's never taken a sick day, he's contacted by Elijah. I guess Elijah read about him in the paper, so we're led to believe, right? No, no, no. He goes to the memorial. And that's when Elijah contacts him. Right, yeah, yeah. It's a note on the windshield. But I'm assuming Elijah read about. Yes. Bruce Willis being the survivor in the paper. Mm-hmm. And Elijah owns this comic book art gallery, I guess the best way to describe it. What was the name of it? Was it? Uh, limited Edition. Yes. Where you it's better not be buying kids' presents there because he's going to flip out. So the, the argument there is that he's not a comic book store. He's not actually selling comic books. He's selling... He's selling art. The original... The original... Sketches. Sketches and shit like that. Yeah, but if you're getting money for a purchase, who cares what they do with it? I understand what you're saying. When you're really passionate about something... But yeah, that... that I've seen that before. Yeah. Alright, but he's... Alright, so the, the guy's buying it for his four-year-old kid. I'm sure he's not tossing it in his bed and saying, go nuts. He's probably gonna, like, hang on the wall in his room, you know? I don't know. That was an overreaction. But again, well, that's just... definitely like, is. That's just his character. But that's also a villain of... It's almost the first sign of villain that we get, right? Villains always overreact to 
small things. You know, when somebody does you wrong moderately, you take hard action against them. It's a villain. It's kind of a villain thing to do. That's a that's a fair way of looking at it. I just assumed he was like some kind of pompous elitist guy. Oh, that's definitely the way it's filmed. I think that's even the way that it's meant to be portrayed. But that's a way to throw you off the scent that he's the villain in the end of the movie. Yeah. And then when you look back on it, you're like, oh. Do you mean throw you off the scent or put you on the track? Put you on it? the track if you're saying it's a villainous trait. It's a villain, but it's something to look back on. So when you go, like, all of M. Night no, Shyamalan's movies. It's like movies, the breadcrumbs that yes. you left. Okay, I got So, you. like, all of M. Night Shyamalan's movies, it's like, it's one big exercise of going back and trying to see what you missed. You usually get those flashback scenes that were their clues all along. Mm-hmm. Big and Sixth Sense. You I mean, if you've seen M. Night Shyamalan movies, you would know this. Yeah. I would, but I don't. And that's honestly one of the biggest, one of the reasons M. Night Shyamalan fell off as hard as he did was because they all have the exact same formula. So once you've seen one, like everybody saw The Sixth Sense. Like everybody went home after seeing The Sixth Sense like, the twist at the end is crazy, so everybody saw it. Was it Unbreakable a second movie? Yeah. Yes. Well, it was his second fourth after, movie. It, but all right, yeah. but it's after it was his Sixth first Sense. after Sixth Sense. Yes. Right. So everybody went into Unbreakable thinking he might do something different. He didn't. He did the exact same thing. We could spend hours just talking about the Unlight. I can't. Problem? Yeah. yeah. Everybody see M. Night Shyamalan's cameo in this? Yes. yes. That was really weird, too. Yes, it was. Incredibly awkward. Again, I don't think he wanted to pay people to say lines in this movie, so he was like, I'll do it myself! But he's in all of his movies, yes, right? Yes, he is. But all of his movies also have, like, four to five main characters, and everybody else is just kind of walking around in the background as filler. Can I, can I go now? Hope you find him. <laughs> Now that you just searched me for drugs, I hope you in, hope you succeed in your quest. Yeah, and that's exactly how he pictured it. So someone's saying those lines in his head, too. Alright, so where were we plot-wise? They meet... Oh, yeah, he, he meets Elijah. Elijah says, tells him his theory. Yep. He says... He tells his son to not drink any more of the water. <laughs> as if it was poisoned, it would matter. Right. At that point. <laughs> this point. And then he goes to work. Well, he... Elijah tells him his theory. He doesn't believe any of it, right? Kinda, yes. Kinda and then, yep, 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 yep. And then he says, have you ever been hurt? And then, like, the son's like, my dad was hurt. He got hurt in college. That's so why I couldn't play football anymore. Yeah. And then he tells him where he works. And then, of course, you figure out when he tells him, he's like, he's going to show up at his work. Absolutely. Yeah. And then he do. He does. But before that happens, I think... His son does the most Philly thing I've ever seen. In no, movie. that's after. I know is exactly what we're going to talk about, and I hate this scene, too. Oh, my God. It is the most Philly thing I have ever watched. And I've seen all of the Rockies. It's actually a pull directly from Rocky. They do this in Rocky. All right. Maybe it's not the same scene Is it we're the football about. scene? Yeah. Oh. Okay. It's not. I'm intrigued to see what you have to say. Well, we'll get to it. All right. So my, so my thing is he comes home from work, and he sees his kid playing football. Oh, okay. And he pulls yeah. him, he's like, you out of your mind, you know what's, like, your mom would kill you if you if she caught you playing football. And then he's like, no, I'm just going to go home and work out, and without saying, like, without going back down and, like, saying bye to any of his friends, he just stands at the top, yells, I'm going to work out with my dad, and then books, none of the kids pay attention to it. That is, seriously, it is one of the most Philly things you, I, like, when I was a kid, if I had to, like, if I got pulled away from something... From a mile away, I would just yell at my friends, hope that they one of them heard me, and then dipped. I'm gonna go get a cheesesteak. <laughs> yeah, it's seriously, it was that simple. Like, think about Rocky One, 
when he has to tell Adrian's brother that she's gonna stay over, he fl- he flings the window open, he just yells across oh. Philly. Hey Polly, Adrian's hanging out. I'll call you back later. <laughs> and closes the window is so Philly. I think that's after, because I think he goes to work and you see Elijah with him at his job. Okay, the first time that Elijah's at the job? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's the um, the head security guard. like, some weird dude's trying to get in with a fake ticket. Right. So he knows you. Also, the the guy playing football, did you guys realize that was the the agent's client? Yes. Which yes. going to go see? Six foot one cornerback. Could go all the way. Four, four, six four, foot three. three. Was it six foot three? Yeah, six, six three. three. And he runs a four three four. Cornerback six three. I don't think Emma Jamalot is known for his sports knowledge. Nope. clearly, or, or he knows more about sports than we'll ever know. <laughs> He's got the trick to taking the the birds to the Super Bowl. It's part of the formula. Keeping it, keeping it to himself. So, what's the thing about Philly that you hate? What's the thing about Philly that I hate? Oh, you think, thought it was. There's a scene with this the kid that I hate. Yeah, it's my weird. second. But the second least favorite scene in the movie, when he's doing the lift, the, the workout. Nope. What is it? The workout's fine. We'll get to it. Okay. Oh, I, I'm pretty sure I know what it is, and it's probably like my least favorite. Scene. <laughs> if, if it's the one I'm thinking. Of. Oh, I know. I think I know what you guys are talking about. We'll get to it. Yeah, we'll get to it. The workout scene is pretty cool. I like the workout. Scene. I do like the workout. I feel scene. like it lingers. Like it, it was cool, but and also they I'm did. pretty sure Bruce Willis can count weights, but he doesn't look. look. I guess, make but it, he does look. I guess that's the game that they're playing, though. It's like, all right, put some weight on, I see guess. if I can lift it. So the first time, he says, that was dangerous. And the kid was like, okay, I'll help. I'll take the weight off. And you, and the camera stays on Willis's face. He doesn't turn his head. He's just waiting for his kid to be done. And then he lifts up, and then it was heavy. How much to take off? I lied. <laughs> I like that the kid gets, like, every set gets, like, further and further away. I'm holding him back up. That was really funny. Because that's going to save in the closet him. on the yeah. last one. Right. Not up the stairs. Not closer to the top of the stairs so we can get mom quicker. No, in the closet. That was pretty fucking dumb. I did like the the payoff at the end of that scene. It was great, though. He's like, what else can we put on? They duct tape the, uh, the paint hands. Yeah. I liked that. That's actually the, the most memorable scene for me. I'd say it's my favorite scene. It, it's probably mine, too. When I think of this movie, that's the scene, this, that's the scene I think of. When he's like... I lied, and eventually he's like, can we add more? I think they should have cut it down. I think it should have been, I lied, I put it all on. What more can we... Like, just, like, one where it's too heavy. Yeah. He just does too many too many sets. Not sets, because I guess it's, like, one rep each, but, like... No, the max reps. Max sets. Like, they went to the well too many times. Yeah. Again, they, draw, they dragged that scene out. Like, he was... He needed to add another minute and a half to the movie. Like, let's just draw out this workout scene. It's not long enough, guys. This doesn't fit the formula yet. Alright, what happens next? Does he go back to Elijah? I think he's still kind of like denying it. It's oh. got to be something with Elijah. And no, Elijah, no, well, Elijah, 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 back up. Elijah chases that guy down that has a weapon on him, and he falls on the stairs. That's after the first... Yeah, that happens in between. Right. Because they separate, and then Elijah goes after him, and in the following scene, he goes... That's where home. he finds out about his, like, his psychic instinct. Right. Powers... If he touch, or if he just can tell if someone has a weapon on him, if he touches, he he bumped into that guy. Bumped into yeah, if, if they make contact, physical contact, he can. He sees their past crimes. Yeah, that was pretty cringeworthy, though, with uh, Elijah on the stairs there. Yeah, that was like, don't go down him, don't do it. I was like, we know what happens. I've never seen this movie, but I know what happens if you do this. Here comes break fifty-seven, fifty-eight, fifty-nine. <laughs> 
Turned into like break 67, the way right. the doctor was talking. Yeah, he sh- broke like 14 breaks and his one leg shattered it. He Oof. shattered it literally like glass into 14 pieces. His hand was broken in six places. Four ribs were cracked. And his hip was his shattered. But he gets to use that as an excuse to see Bruce Willis's wife and get more... Uh, I think that's just a coincidence. I don't think it's that happy of a coincidence. He had to re- re- request her, you know? I feel like you, you get assigned physical therapy. But that was what's crazy. Like, no, yes. And that's, that's one of the big problems with this movie is that at no point up until that point do we know what Jenny does for a living. Yes, I will call her Jenny the rest of this movie. It's Jenny from Forrest Gump. Oh, her name is Audrey. Okay. I'm calling her Jenny for the rest of this podcast. Okay. Jenny. Jenny. So we don't know what Jenny does prior to the scene where she's at work and it's like the sign that says physical therapy. So he doesn't talk about it with Bruce Willis's character. It doesn't come up at all. So then he just like what type of luck of the draw is that that you get assigned to the one physical therapist office? That she works at, and you get her as your physical Maybe therapist? Maybe she's the only game in town. <laughs> I hope not. Philly's a big Philly. city. Not in 2000. That was the, she cornered the market in 2000 <laughs> with physical therapy. That's way too perfect to be a that's, coincidence. That's a coincidence. It, it's, it's an unfortunate coincidence in the lazy writing of this movie, but... Again, I, it's only an hour 40. <laughs> I hate it if it's a coincidence. I hate it more if... It was meant to be like a pre-thought process by Mr. Glass, and they didn't tell us, like, didn't give that away to us at any point in time. I mean, there's a newspaper article written about Bruce Willis's character. It could say he was taken to this hospital where his wife happens to be a physical therapist. You know, I guess that's true. It's a pretty easy line to put in there, or a pretty easy scene to put in there. Again, this is this movie is pretty lazy in terms of its filmmaking. Which is a shame because I feel like it's got this like the bones of a really good story. It does. There's... It does. It doesn't doesn't explore them far enough. Yeah, and, and use I, them right. I even think that the pacing could be fun. What like watching a superhero movie that's like slow and methodical like this is completely different than what we usually see out of superhero movies. This is this movie is like watching. The... The entire movie of this is like Act One of a superhero origin story movie. Yeah, that's that's it. And like we we barely scratch the surface of anything, which leads to the ultimate question of like at the end, like did he think he was going to make another Unbreakable? Because I don't think M Night Shyamalan has ever really considered sequels as a, as a thing. He's always done one like a movie it ends. Moves, yeah, they've always been standalones, but this felt like it was going to be a there was going to be a sequel, and I don't know if he did that. I don't think he planned on making a sequel. I don't think so either. I think he just did it because. Superhero movies and comic books never just. I have a end. lot of comments about the end of this movie. Well, we'll get there. Yeah, that's we'll that's get there. I'm sure we all have comments. All right. So, I mean, we can get to the other scene I was referring to before. I think we're like kind of at that point. Bruce yeah. Willis is kid. What's his name? Joseph. Joseph. Yeah, I think it's Joseph. Yeah, Joseph is J- Josephus. <laughs> Josephus. Joe's kid. Yes. <laughs> Well, that's not what his name... What's his name? His name is David Dave Dunn. Dunn. David Dunn. Joseph is the son's name. Joseph, yeah. okay. So, David's son really believes that dad is an unbreakable superhero and can't get hurt. Mm. 
And he pulls a gun on his dad? That's the yeah, fucking that was... worst scene in this entire movie. It's one of the more absurd scenes in this entire fucking movie. It made me question the sanity of the kid. Like, did he have something developmentally wrong with him? Like, how is that step one to prove that dad can't get hurt? We want to pull out a gun and shoot my dad. Technically, yep, technically, it. it's step two. Technically, it's step two. Step one was proving that he could lift whatever the fuck he wanted. That doesn't make him indestructible. No, it doesn't. It does not. Makes him super strong. Makes him super strong. You're absolutely right. This kid clearly doesn't read comics all that much. He's like a double idiot. He also just got, like, his ass kicked at school. For trying to help. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. For trying to help. So the kid, the kid doesn't read to me at any point in time as the cool kid. Probably an outsider. Probably a loser. Well, that's my point, right? So now he has, like, something that he could be, like, run to his friends and be like... I shot my dad. <laughs> no, not the I shot my... <laughs> not the I shot my it's dad cool, part. he's fine. <laughs> it was great. Not the I shot my dad part, but the... the My dad is a, like has super strength and is unbreakable. Like, he's got that. It's still a dumb fuck way to do it. Take a fucking baseball bat to his knee or something. Not a gunshot wound to his dopies. Pulls a trigger, too. No. No, he doesn't. Oh, he cocks it? He cocks, he cocks it. it. He cocks it, okay. Yeah. Which is when things get real serious. Right. Like, up to that point, everybody's like, does just, come on. And then he cocks the gun and Jenny, like, takes, like, four steps back. He's like, I am not getting involved here. It's not my problem. I'm about to divorce him anyways. This is... Yeah, I don't even like him really anymore. They just got done their first date, so I guess they've started to kind of like each other again. Yeah, that's that's a whole other dynamic thing. It's not even worth talking about. Dynamic. It's really stupid. <laughs> it was really, really bad. He's having marital problems. But and then he becomes a superhero and all the marital problems go away. Like, Kind of, I guess. Well, it's because he doesn't feel empty anymore. Right. He no, doesn't he's... feel that sadness every morning when he wakes up that all of us feel because it's called work. <laughs> Which is exactly. life in general. Yeah. It's called work for a reason, Bruce Willis. But yeah, that gun scene, and he's aiming at his chest. Like, if you don't prove your point, shoot your dad in the leg. Yeah. I you will prove say, your point, like, cut your dad with a dinner knife or something. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Go out and take like, a baseball bat to the knee. Whoa! I was gonna be like, you could just try his arm with a little knife action, see if it cuts. You know, I don't know. Sit next to your dad at dinner, stab him in the hand with a fork, see what happens. I mean, his skin probably breaks, but. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't That's think true. it does. We don't know. So we, we'll never find out. He was fine after the train in the car accident. We That's might find true. out. So, yeah, no. You actually have a good point. He, the No scratches after the car wreck and the literally no scratches after the yeah, train he's wreck. He's literally unbreakable. I think it applies to his skin, too. Yeah. The only thing he, he can do is drown. Yep. The water's oh his one weakness. Which Jesus. we find out in our It's not even really his weakness. It's, it's a just human like, weakness. It's just that he drowns like a human. Okay, it's like if you throw water on him. No, he can't swim. Yeah. Fair. But I hated the fucking voicemail that Elijah leaves. It's like, when I drink water too fast, I choke like you. Or if I get put in water, I drown like you. I'm like, what are you... That's humans! We are the same. <laughs> that's, that's, that's just people. If people drink too much water... They start to cough and choke. If people can't swim and can't jump into the deep end of a pool, they that's just... That doesn't make you two connected, you dickweed. It makes you a human. But prior to that... He's also a crazy person. Yeah, it's no, true. we gotta go back to this scene, because he discovers that he had a childhood accident when he picks his son up from school. Mm-hmm. He almost drowned in a pool, 
I guess the school had a pool. I never went to school with a pool, but I guess they... Preschools. Some preschools have them. Preschools have? Some preschools do have them. In the cities, I feel like it's more common than... Okay. Anyway. um, So he lets Elijah know that that he almost drowned as a child, that his theory's wrong. And then Elijah goes to a a comic book store and just is really weird. (laughs) He's like catatonic (laughs) at the back of a comic book store until he finds the special Century Man edition, whatever the fuck. prior to that, the guy's like, yeah, I'm closing in ten minutes. I'm going to wheel out of here myself. And he starts knocking shit over. The guy's like, you do that again, I'm calling the cops. (laughs) Hope you're not jerking off the Japanese car. (laughs) (laughs) I see him. (laughs) Yeah, that's it again. Don't be weird joking off the Japanese. He's facing you, dude. I know. Again, bad writing. It's like that's ba- a forced joke. But it's also it bad. Really is. It's bad translation from like writing to screen. Like I bet in the writers' room, people are like, okay, that's gonna land. That's pretty funny. And then instead of making it work by putting him like having him face the back wall, just looking at the comic books, he has him facing him instead. Doesn't work now. Then he discovered, well... I guess he just... I, I think that that scene, though, is just Samuel L. Jackson giving up. Like, he's put so much energy into his, like, his, well, his life's work, as we come to find out, that at that point, finding out that the, who he thinks is the Unbreakable Man can be drowned just sends him over the edge for a bit. Right. All right, so then he discovers the issue that has all the answers for him, and he... The guy's about to call the police and throw him out of the sewer, and he goes, what do you want for this one? Or how much for this one? Yep, then he leaves that voice, that stupid voicemail. The, the dumbest fucking voicemail. I guess he's an expert in every single comic ever. Except Century Man. He's oh, I forgot about that you one. You forgot about that one. Yeah. Listen, if you've read as many comic books as Elijah has, you probably forget some, too. I get, That's fair. He's okay. forgotten more about comics than we'll ever know. Yeah. I sure. also find it a little weird that that particular Century Man comic is chilling in just a random comic book shop. Very convenient. Again, there's a little bit of convenience there. Is Century Man like a real thing or no? There's there's a character called The Century. I don't think Century Man is a real thing. Okay. They don't really hit too many like actual mainstream comic books. I think that's the point for like copyright reasons. Yeah, they don't have the rights. They never mention anyone by name. No. I did like jumping a little bit, but we're close, so I'm going to do it anyways. And we missed one. I do like when he does, like, the actual, like, art explanations of the work. Yeah, that's, that's his, actually kind of interesting. It's kind of interesting. And then when his mom steps in and does one at the end, I love that stuff. Because that was actually a lot of what I did in college. I did a lot of art history stuff in college, and that's the type of stuff that you always focus on. So, like, listen, I didn't see the picture, but, like, hearing it, I'm like, I know exactly, I know exactly what I'm looking at. Professors, we talk like that all the time. Alright, so I guess at this point he totally buys in to the fact that he may be unbreakable. Yeah. And he... What's the catalyst in between the two, though? So he finds out that the guy has a gun, but he does something in That's between... That's when he has that... I think, it's, I think it's the workout montage, isn't it? But there has to be... There, is there something in between... You get that flashback of him ripping the door off at this oh, point. Oh, and that's too. what... Okay, that's what it yeah. is. He remembers the door... Him ripping the door off. He remembers the car accident... <laughs> Where he ripped the door off, because he somehow... I would never forget about that in my entire life. I would tell people that all the time. He also doesn't remember that he's never taken a sick day either, man. He's he's a very stupid, stupid man. Simpleton. I mean, he might be unbreakable, that doesn't mean he doesn't have CTE from all the football he played. It means he doesn't have CTE. Yeah. I mean, I know that's what it means, but... (laughs) Come on. It's all I got for how stupid he is. Yeah, he's a dumb individual. 
That's that's right. So there isn't a. I thought that there was there was going to be a middle jump. So it's like, wow, I can work out a lot, and then a second time where like his intuition, like his bump into you and realizes that there's something wrong. Intuition is true, right? On like a moderate scale, and then he goes into the subway and tries it out. He yeah, it does a, the big thing. All right, David Dunn, let's be a hero. Yeah, <laughs> let's touch all of the people because that doesn't make you look creepy because you're standing inside in the middle in of a it poncho, with a poncho with your hood up. Jesus, <laughs> poncho man. Poncho Man David Dunn. David the Poncho Dunn. <laughs> or Senor Poncho. Senor Poncho. <laughs> Senor Poncho to you. I guess we go right to the subway, right? Yeah, we're yeah, right there. I mean, we're we're to, I don't think there's anything board. interesting that we missed. Alright. So his whole thing is if he touches you, he can see your past crimes. And he's seen some pretty messed up crimes. Like the college date rate was pretty bad. I just want to touch to something I don't think we glossed over. Sure. We see the flashback of the car accident and see that he wasn't hurt ever. Right. Yeah. And then that he made up the whole story about the football thing, which we already kind of knew, but then we yeah. confirmed the flashback. Yeah, we didn't confirm it here. And that's, and, but that's also the moment that he decides to lean into, he's unbreakable, he's a superhero. Yeah. Yeah, they just used the car accident as a ruse to get him to stop playing football. He used it. He yeah. used it as a ruse. To date Audrey. To date right. Audrey. Yes, and to get out of the scholarship, I guess. Yeah, you got because I mean, Glass hit that on the head. He was like, "You got into the accident, you faked it because you could get out of it scot free, no questions asked." Mm-hmm. And that's what he did. It just confirms what they had already told us. Right. So now he's in the subway yes. wearing a poncho, standing in the middle of it. Yep. Because that's and not when weird. He touches somebody, he can visualize their past crimes. See, but- I think it's different. It, it that's what it does in the subway. I. But up until that point, it was just like... He could see a gun. Like, he could tell if there was something... Like, if they had weird intentions. Like, oh, this guy has a gun on him. Well, the gun might be a crime. I mean, like a... It is technically a crime, but... A licensed handgun, concealed weapon. And then the drug drug one, which didn't work. Which didn't pan out. I guess it wasn't... Or they picked... Or he found a different guy. I don't know. But yes, he's he's doing all of the weird... Touching people. He touches a woman, and he sees that she's shoplifted... Then he touches a young college student and sees that he's... We're busy being raped, though. He, oh, right, he did right. rape. And then he touches the crazy janitor. Nope, there's one other person that he touches. I don't remember who it is. He it? touches some dude who leaned out of a car window and smashed a bottle over a woman's head. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was what, messed up. I, but I didn't get, like, what... I mean, get granted, it's obviously assault and something fucking stupid, but... Yeah. What is he going to do with that? I mean, that's I right. guess that's why he doesn't chase hit that guy down, but... I guess he's what are you going to do with that information? I don't know. He's looking for the worst crime he can, that he can find, right? Or the one that's... It's crazy that he kept going. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of would have stopped there. Go ahead. So he touches the weird janitor. Yes. And he sees that this, this crazy weird janitor broke into a home, murdered... Murdered the dad. Murdered the dad. And there's a, the, the wife and kids are still in the house. And Do we see that in the, in the initial... No, no, no. We see back when he touches him that the kids and the wife are still oh, there. Oh, no, no, no. In the initial flashback, all we see is, is the dad. Up? The dad open the door and be like, "I like your house. Can I come in?" No, and he tries really, and he tries to open. And then once the dad comes, goes outside of like the view of that shot, it's him like lying on the stairs, like with like a bloody head. Yeah, yeah. All right, so we don't know that there's a family there. No. All right, so that leads me to the question. He's just following this guy back to the scene of the crime. How come he doesn't apprehend him or do something 
during that that walk back in the ring. I'm not 100% convinced that he's confident in that particular ability. He, also, he doesn't it know... He sees it with his own eyes. Yeah, like, he doesn't know how serious it is, right? Like, he doesn't know if the guy's still at the house. Right. So you don't know where this guy's going. This guy's no idea, yeah. Someplace, someplace else. So, mm-hmm. again, I, another part of this movie that happens to be by circumstance, mm-hmm. the guy, the janitor, walks back to the house in the pouring rain. Mm-hmm. That's his new home. Good thing he, Bruce Willis, is wearing a poncho. And he... Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna argue it's probably why he's wearing a poncho. It's 100 percent why he was wearing a poncho. I hope <laughs> it turns out to be what he wears every time he goes no, Galavante as a superhero. Exactly, but that's his. That's it, his w- it will be, but that particular day he only did it because it was raining. Senior poncho, senior poncho. poncho. Senior poncho to you. That's Mister Senior Poncho. <laughs> <laughs> so he very stealthily enters the house. Yep. Do you see the the dad's dead body, or does I don't he, think so. No. We never see dad's dead body. He's I'm just, assuming it's already been cleaned up. I think he's been living there for a few days now. Which, by the way, will come up as a problem I come up, I, I have right after this scene, but I'm going to hold, table it. But remind me if I he forget. He discovers the children who are... It's like the first door he opens. Right. It's like two kids tied up. Right. And he, he unties the kids. Does he ask where his mom is? I, I don't, like... He doesn't say anything. I don't think he says anything. He I think he says, I'm going to get you out of here. Yeah. Does he say that? I mm-hmm. think. Okay. But he then goes... Upstairs, or climbs a banister to get up to the like the mm-hmm. the side of the roof, and that's when flapping things, he, the the curtains. drapes, yeah, the, the drapes. curtains, the curtains of the drapes are flapping, and then like as like they like open up for like that split second, like the orange jumpsuit is there. Yeah, but he sees him. he sees the mom, she's dead on the floor. When are we supposed to realize that she's dead? That's what my problem was. When she falls over. Yeah, because he he unclips her and then she just collapses. Like she was tied up, that was propping her up. Yeah, like she never. Oh, okay, so I missed some. I missed something yeah, here. He discovers. He discovers the mom's body. She's like tied to the radiator, I guess. I don't know what she's yeah, tied yeah, to. Yeah. And then he unclips her, and then just she just. David falls. does this. Yes. Okay. And she just falls right over. Okay, so that's that's what it, that's what it is. And so before that happens, he gets pushed out into the onto the pool cover. Into the pool cover before he yes. unclips her. I yes, because when so. because when he. He falls into the pool. Oh, wait, no, no. I, no. Think, he, I think he unties the mom first. And he does. I'll tell you why I don't think he that's does, true. He gets, he gets pushed, like, from behind. Like, the jumpsuit appears from behind, and he's looking at the mom. So it's like, it's kind of like... Yeah, he's he's outside, if he, he's outside past the past the blinds, right? Right. If he's on the balcony he's or whatever. He's on the balcony. He wouldn't have left the mom tied up in the room. No. See, but he okay. definitely frees her first. Yes. So then this is why I'm confused, then. Because, again, he gets pushed over the railing, falls in... The kids save him with the skimmer. Right. All that's fine. That scene is very uncomfortably long. Uncomfortably yeah. long, yes, but fine. Right, he gets pushed on the pole, he's drowning again, water is his weakness. Yep. And the kids are just standing outside with the skimmer, not reacting at all. Everyone's kind of like, you know... Where the kids didn't realize it's it. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> again, the kids may have, like... They've also been through a lot. Yeah. They are readjusting. Yeah, they may they may have freedom. been they may have been terrified to like leave, but then realize that he's their only chance out of this. So that's when they get the courage to go and help him. Sure, I'm just coming up with a, with an excuse. Okay. But he gets out, and this is where I got confused because then there's a scene of what I thought was the mom still propped up, and the weird, creepy janitor serial killer guy. With a beer, like, spitting, like, spots of beer out, and just her eyes open, just staring. Do you guys not remember this? 
Oh, he was standing there drinking a beer. I think he might have propped her back up. Okay, because there's definitely another shot of the bloody wrists tied up, and he's, like, doing this weird thing where he's, like, got a beer in his mouth, and he's, like, spitting little, like, streams of it out at... Oh, yeah, yeah, yep. What was the body? And I didn't realize, because I, I must have glanced away for a minute when he she falls over, because I didn't see that. Oh, yeah, yeah, when he, when he finishes untying her, she immediately... Yeah, so I missed that part. Him. That's why yeah. I was confused. Because all I saw was her tied back up and him doing this weird, like, whatever with the with the beer. And that's when David comes in and chokes him out. Gotcha. Which took a really long time for a guy who's supposed to be super strong. Yeah, it did. He's yeah. also probably... He doesn't know how to choke that. Yeah, have you looked, did you look at that technique? It looked pretty garbage. But he would have crushed the dude's windpipe, like, Should have real crushed fast. Yes. Should have crushed the dude's windpipe. Which leads me to the, the problem that I was going to say, but you guys have... Yeah, you're right, you're right. Bloody wrists. Sorry, so you freeze her after the fact. Yeah. yeah. So, at, so why at, does he walk outside? I don't know. That's weird. I think he climbs up the side. Does he? I think he climbs up the side. Because that's the first time I saw her, initially, and I was uh, Yeah, he does climb to initially get into that part of the house. Yes. And then he gets pushed over. Oh, okay. All right. And then all that happens, because... That in that moment in time, that single moment in time where all I saw was her propped up, I didn't realize she was dead. So again, I guess maybe I glanced. Well, yeah, I didn't realize she was dead until she fell over. Until okay. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize. Uh, so then the next day, when he shows the son the newspaper and it said "parents dead, kids are alive," I was like, "I didn't know the fucking mom died." Did Senor Pancho kill the mom? <laughs> I thought he was a good guy. Right. Yeah. As you alluded to, the next day. He's sitting at the breakfast table and his son comes down to breakfast. That's awkward being in that room where the kid pulled a gun on you. Yeah, like, they, they kind of just swept that one under the table. They, did. they were like, whatever. And he, kid, kids will be kids. Hormones, you know? And there's a newspaper article with a cartoon. That looks just yeah. fucking like him. Right, and he slides her across the table for the son. He's like, like, you were right, don't tell your mother. Yeah, I'm that guy. Don't shoot me. <laughs> or shoot me, bring it. Which is honestly one of the only redeeming qualities of the tail end of this movie, is that he gives the son the satisfaction of knowing, like, yes, I'm a superhero, but... If the movie had ended there, I would be happier. Yes. But we wouldn't okay. have gotten a twist. So, here we go. So, so now, let's get into it. It's, it's the end. It's, 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 it's the time. horseshit of an ending. It's, what is it, is it Elijah's art show at this point? Yeah, his, his, uh... In the, fir- in the first time he goes into limited edition, he's like, the art show is in for another two weeks. Right. So now it is the it is the day of that art, of okay. said art show. The exhibition Flash or whatever. Four, two yeah. weeks later. I have become Superman that can't fly, and I'm going to go say thank you to my friend who right. showed me that it happened. And we touched on it earlier, Elijah's mother's there, and it's like, oh yeah, I'm proud of my son. Okay, so then he sees Elijah, they go into the back room, and he says, alright, I guess it's time for you to shake my hand, and... Bruce Willis shakes Elijah's hand, and then you get the flashback of all the crimes, and all the other acts of terror that we've learned about in the movie, including the, the uh, train... Or orchestrated by Elijah. To try to but find... They're, they're, all me- they're all meant to look like accidents and succeed as such. Yes. So there's a plane crash. A plane explosion. Did it crash, or did it just explode on the runway? I don't know. Cra- yes. Semantics. Yeah. Semantics. <laughs> um... There was a fire, right? A building fire. And he knew that the building would go up by talking to a guy at a bar, right? That... Yeah, or that nobody would be able to survive the fire. On as the long first, as... second, or third floor. As right. long as it's set on the first, second, or third floor. So all this was orchestrated by Elijah to find the person who is the opposite of him. Correct. Saying, like, you're the hero of this story and I am the villain. Yes. 
Bruce Willis hears this, walks away, and movie's over. Nope. We get two lines of white yes. di- of white letters. We get the bullshit where they are now story. Where David Dunn reported Elijah to the authorities. Elijah's now in a hospital for the criminally insane. Stupid. Like, it's an hour 40. Fucking end the story. There's no ending here. It just, that yeah. happens and it's over. This entire movie builds to nothing. It does. And it oh, cheapens what could have been a decent story into just nothing. And I hate every second of this ending. It's infuriating because if you're seeing this for the first time and it's, it's kind of, you were seeing it for the first time, but again, you, it's 17 years later, you've heard of the twist. That's fair. So you kind of knew it was what, what you're getting into. We even talked about it on an earlier podcast. Yeah. Samuel Jackson as a villain. If all that M. Night Shyamalan had set out to do at the outset of this movie was to end it on a twist, which is what he does in all of them, for the most part, he succeeds. His movies end with a twist. We don't get much after the end of The Sixth Sense. We don't get anything after the end of The Village. Signs has probably the worst of these twist endings. Well... We're not going to debate. <laughs> we're not, not going to debate the marriage enough right now. But my point is, they all literally like the the last scene are these shit twists. Well, where we get, the we twist get, is the is the, is the end. We no sixth sense. You get stuff after the twist. Oh, uh, you know what? I, yeah. I always forget that scene. You get a little bit of a, a, uh, a I forget, wrap up. I forget a that. Bit of an, I forget a bit that of an epilogue. This is just I. My camera ran out of film, and I have to put words on the screen now because we can't shoot anymore. That's pretty much what happens here. Think about. Any other movie, like Rookie of the Year, and he's about to face the final batter, and the movie ends, and you just see Henry goes on to strike out Hato on three pitches. Like, it's, just, it's bullshit. It's true. But... Not 100% is. And from, I love Rookie of the Year. From, from a comic standpoint, that happens. Sometimes the good guy walks away, and the story ends by the cops actually apprehending him. No, but but we, didn't, we don't see it. No, we don't see this, it. This does the worst... This is the worst possible definition of a storytelling and not showing. Like, literally, they told us what happened Yeah. when they could have shown us almost as easily. Like, either you end the movie where you end it, and you don't put the bullshit text on the screen, mm-hmm. or you have them act out what the text said. You, you can't do what, what he did here. It's terrible. It really is. And it, seems, and it seems like they did it that way because they wanted to spend more time showing Samuel L. Jackson... Perpetrating the crimes or learning about how to perpetrate the crimes more than they actually wanted to show him getting arrested. Also, there's some huge problems with the way that he did this. So the only time they mention any other terrorist attacks that he may have caused was it said mudslide in Mexico, suggesting that somehow he managed to cause a mudslide, maybe. Ready, though? He did all three of his biggies at the airport, a building, and a train all in and around Philadelphia. You guys know how many fucking people there are on the planet? You think that you're like... That's where he lives. He's he's not really... He's kind of lazy. Can't yeah. really get around. Yeah, but you're you're setting yourself up for failure if you're, uh, your entire pool of people that are your counterpoint still live in the same fucking city. Counterpoint? He nailed it. It, it worked for him. <laughs> it did. You're not wrong. Coincidentally. All right, we need to get into Favorite Least Favorite because we are already long. Yeah. My my favorite was the workout scene, uh, the 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 weightlifting scene. My least favorite is the ending, filed very very slightly behind is the um, the gun scene, workout and the very Philadelphia bye guys. My favorite and the worst is the voicemail that Elijah leaves. 
Because everybody fucking drowns in water. Unless you're goddamn Aquaman. My favorite is probably the only time he's anything resembling a superhero in this movie. When he goes on his one and only mission. <laughs> where we get like five minutes of suspense. Other than, And my least favorite is definitely the fucking kid with a gun scene. I can't... <laughs> Can't argue for that being in this at all. I can't. Did they did they so show us stupid. the gun before that? Yeah, it's the gun in his closet. Oh, that's right, that's right. It's I the bet you doesn't know where he, he doesn't know where I keep the bullets. In your rookie of the year trophy, or whatever the hell it is. I was like, <laughs> oh shit. Well, at least they do show us the gun beforehand. Yeah, they do. That, that leads you to believe. It would have been right, worse if they didn't. It's going to come into play. Yeah. But I wouldn't put it past him. Like, ah, we want this movie to be an hour and thirty. I don't understand minutes. why he grabs the gun in the first. Like, is he contemplating shooting himself? Like, what? Why would he even touch the gun? And I can't. I can't I do this know. right now. He got. He grabbed the gun because it was sitting up next to the box of all the. the I'm sorry. The fold. The Manila folder of all of his football shit. Yeah. I don't I care. Keep, I keep a Manila folder of all my achievements in life up the top of the closet. Right. <sighs> so, <laughs> that was our spirited review of the movie Unbreakable. What we're going to do now is rate the movie. Using our Infinity Stone system that goes from 1 to 6. I bet you can figure out which is the lowest, which is the highest. Let's do this for time's sake. I... Corey, go ahead. Originally, I said I actually kind of like this movie, but the more I've talked about it, the more problems that have come up with it. This movie's going to drop one and a half stones for me. This is a one and a half stone movie. It's wow. a bad movie. I was at a 3 going in myself, and after talking about it, I, I'm, I'm at a solid 2. Yeah. It, this is bad. <laughs> like, I, 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 came in, I came in here at three. I was like, I, I'll, I'll probably give it a three. I'm talking about it. I'm like, it can't get more. I don't even think it hits two for me. I thought you were going to like it. I really did. When I sat there and watched it, I did, but right. I'm talking about the problems and right. I can't get around them. Let's go to the Unbreakable Virgin here. <laughs> all right, so we all came into the room as a three is what I'm learning. <laughs> and I'm also dropping to a two <laughs> because I forgot how angry... The ending and the gun scene made me. Oh, God damn it. So, yeah, two stones. Um, I would like to say that M. Night Shyamalan is good at camera work and setting up scenes, like sure. the one in, in the hospital after the train accident. You can see the guy getting bloodier. The orange jumpsuit when it appears. Like, he's good at that stuff. Characters and plot, not great. Not a strong suit of his. Hmm. Especially not in this. No. They are all so fucking boring and unlikable. It, we, you know, no, no, we'll talk about it more afterwards. Fair enough. And those are our ratings for Unbreakable. If you'd like to let us know about your rating for Unbreakable or stuff that we missed or stuff that if you actually like this movie, send us an email to zthpodcast at gmail.com. Rage tweet us at zthpodcast. Let us see your poncho on Instagram at zthpodcast. Find us on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash zthpodcast or search for us in the search bar Zeros Talking Heroes. Zeros and Heroes both end in E-S. And find us on iTunes, where you can give us a five-star rating. And if you want to leave a review with that rating, we'll read it on the air. That'd be super awesome. We can never get enough of those. Next time, I hope you'll join us for... We're going to be doing The Terminator. We're keeping it outside of the of the big two, which I like. You know, for a little bit. We've got to pace ourselves. We do. So thank you so much for tuning in. And on behalf of everyone else, as always, remember that every movie is someone's favorite movie. And good night. Sorry if this is yours. I think that... I um, love those movies. They're strongly... <laughs>